The strength of a culture is proportionate to its treatment of the helpless. The strength of a culture is proportionate to its treatment of the helpless. In relationships, conflict is inevitable because we're different, and so we have conflict. But conflict isn't the problem. When we talk about culture, we could say that it's really just a combination of relationships. In a lot of ways, culture is the tradition and the values and the way of life of a bunch of people living in relationship to one another. And so when you engage in conflict through the difference that inevitably exists, what do you do with it? Because it's going to happen. But do we run away from it for the sake of trying to keep peace? Or do we engage with it? And if we do, how do we do it? One thing that I always try to keep in mind that I share with others, particularly couples preparing for marriage, is there's no such thing as the winner of an argument. Because if somebody wins an argument, that means somebody has to lose the argument. If one person wins and one person loses, that divides the relationship. And the loser is almost always, if not always, the one who is most helpless in that situation. Because if you're trying to win an argument, then you're trying to win based on power. And you're probably trying to win based on your own desires and your own interests. What happens if the helpless become our primary concern in a conflict? Well, the simple thing that it immediately does to us in our minds and in our hearts is it removes our engagement in the conflict from our own self-interest. Right? If I have to think about who is the most helpless, the most in need of help, in whatever this conflict is, then I stop thinking about what I need, what I want, and I start thinking about the other, which is the Christian approach. But if I feel the need to win the argument, then the probability of me doing that from the perspective of my own desires and my own self-interest escalate dramatically. Because the strength of a culture is proportionate to its treatment of the helpless. This, I think, is part of the reason why Jesus places a child in the midst of the apostles today. Right? Tells us just before this happens, they're walking on the road, Jesus is probably walking ahead of them, and they're arguing amongst each other who is the greatest. Who's going to be the one who gets to sit at Jesus' right hand at dinner? and be his confidant and the first person that he tells everything and every instruction, who's going to be that man out of the 12? But they're trying to create this hierarchy for the sake of understanding, well, where's everybody's place? And so Jesus' response to that is a verse that comes up in many different ways, many times in the Gospels. The one who wishes to be first must be last of all and servant of all. And then in the Gospel of Mark, this is the moment where he takes a child and he says, whoever welcomes one such child welcomes me and welcomes the one who sent me. A child in a lot of ways is helpless. And in Jesus' time, even more so, because children had no rights by law under Roman rule. They had no legal rights. They were not considered people under law. And so they were exceedingly helpless. They were very much at the mercy of whatever adult was looking after them. 
And so when Jesus is saying, you have to concern yourself with welcoming a child, he's saying, you have to concern yourself with the one that everybody forgets. And when you do that, you welcome me, and you welcome the one who sent me. All of our readings today from Wisdom, from St. James, and the Gospel, point to the fact that if you try to do this, there will be opposition. That evil and the ways of the world will want to oppose this effort. Because the ways of the world is seeking power and seeking control and seeking self-interest. And this is the exact opposite of that. And so it always comes with opposition. In the early church, before Christianity became the religion of the Roman Empire, what started to change the minds of the Romans was the way the Christians treated women and children who had no rights under law, the way that they treated the sick because sick were ostracized because it could get you sick and could mean death, and the way that they treated the poor who were excluded. They must have done something wrong to get in that state in life. It was seeing the way that Christians treated these helpless people in Roman society that made the Romans go, this is not like any other religion that we've seen. This doesn't make any sense. Why would they waste so much time, so much energy, so much resources on these people that just get in the way? And ultimately, at the heart of our faith, Jesus is the one who makes himself helpless. That the Son of God divests himself of the glory of heaven and takes on flesh. That he's born as an infant. How often do you think about the, our God makes himself helpless like an infant at the mercy of the hands of Mary and Joseph. And within days of his birth, his life is already under threat by Herod who wants all the infants killed. And then allows himself to be helpless all the way to death death on a cross, so that he becomes helpless for the sake of all the helpless. Just think of when you hear of times where Jesus takes individuals aside and has one-on-one -on -one interactions with them. Who are those people? It's always the marginalized. It's always the neglected, the helpless, because the strength of a culture is proportionate to its treatment of the helpless. And when you think about culture, you can think about Canadian culture like an ethnic culture, but culture is bigger than that. We have Albertan culture, we also have Catholic culture. And we can ask ourselves, is this true about our Catholic culture? That our culture is directly proportionate, the strength of our Catholic culture is directly proportionate to our treatment of the helpless. Can we say that that's true about our parish here? at St. Francis Xavier? Is that the reason why we exist as a parish community? In the way that we focus on providing for the helpless within our own community and the community around us. Because that's where the strength of our Catholic culture is going to come. But then you can ask yourself, who are the helpless? The list in many ways is endless. And in some ways you can think that Really, every one of us is helpless. But who are helpless around us? 
definitely the unborn. They have no voice. Children are helpless, and sorry teenagers, that helplessness exists all the way into your teenage years because they're at the mercy of the world of adults. The elderly, as mental and physical health begin to fail, become more and more helpless. And what's the opposition of the world to helping these helpless people? Well, it's not just like our society woke up one day and said that we should let abortion be rampant and on demand. It started slowly. That, well, it's not really a person, it's just a clump of cells. Life hasn't really begun yet, so we're not killing a person. And then it amplifies to, well, what about the rights and the freedoms of the woman? Yeah, absolutely, but what about the rights and freedoms of the infant that's growing within her womb? Who is the helpless one in that conflict? With children, I find far too often we impose on children the world of adults, that our adult problems we try to fix through our children. There are some things that are not meant for children. Their innocence is intended to be preserved for good reason. We don't destroy that for the sake of trying to resolve the problems that we've created in adulthood. I just think of the anxiety of teenagers today because of the expectations of what they should be doing with their life and the concern that they have for their lifetime because they can't get to where they think they should be. Why are we imposing that on them? With the elderly, I think the pandemic has just elevated our awareness of something that already existed, of particularly our elderly in care homes, and how they had to suffer deep loneliness for months on end when we couldn't visit them. But were we doing a good job of visiting them before the pandemic? Who are the helpless among us, and how do they become a primary concern for us in the way that we go about our life. And that is not an easy thing to do because the helpless take more time and more money and more energy from us to deal with. It's much easier to find a quick solution for the helpless so that they can be just cared for over here and then we can go about what we really want to do over here. Because the strength of our culture as Catholics will always be proportionate to the way that we treat the helpless. So, bringing this to current events, when you go vote tomorrow, keep this in mind. There's no such thing as a Catholic vote. There is no political party that upholds Catholic ideals. It doesn't exist in a democracy, which is why you have to make your own decision through your own conscience and discernment as to who will best care for our nation and the people in it. And so maybe one way to kind of sift through that and come to an understanding of who is best out of all of the candidates presented, listen to how they talk about care of the helpless. It's frankly, they don't talk about it very often. But when they do, how do they talk about it? How do they talk about the care of the helpless among us. 
because for us as Catholics, the care of the helpless is always the primary concern because Jesus tells us, when you welcome the helpless, you welcome me and you welcome the one who sent me.